Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what you're supposed to do. Not dying. Okay. 100% today. I didn't die not once. I felt like I died two times in the last four days, but that's a whole nother story. Let me tell you something. You were speaking <laughs> to grandpappy Bobby Forrest right now. Yeah, I just absolutely. became a grandfather at 6 a.m. Elijah and Jean, his girlfriend, had a baby at the same hospital that Idris and Sidney were born at. Nice. Hollywood Kaiser. And everything's yeah. good. Everything's healthy. Mom's good. So... Today was a good day, but it was, you know, hectic. That's for sure. Wow. And it's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, is that what so, all those people were doing together? Was that what that was? No, about? that then. So this is my crazy life. I sent a bunch of pictures to you guys. So it starts on Saturday. No, it starts on Friday. We go to Coachella and Paul, my friend that has Coachella, he says to Sydney, she knows he loves, she, she loves black uh, uh, BTS. Hey, you know, Blackpink is playing. She goes, I know, I love Blackpink. And she goes, Well, he said, Well, maybe there's a surprise for you, right? And uh, and the surprise was not only a BTS guy came and saw Blackpink, but her favorite member of BTS, Jungkook. <laughs> oh, and so we're standing there, and Paul says. Sydney, come here, come here, come here. And introduced her to Jungkook of BTS <laughs> in the pit, in the pit. And he couldn't <laughs> have been nicer, so gracious, spent like 10 minutes with her. And the bodyguard was like trying to shut her, push her away. Like, okay, kid, you've been enough. <laughs> and he enough. said, no, no. He said, no, no. So cute. And hugged her again. He was the <laughs> most <laughs> gracious person. He's the biggest rock star in the world. I like to say BTS, bigger than the Beatles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the most gracious person. And then you go walking through the Coachella and like somebody playing at two in the afternoon will be like, get out of my way. You can't be in this area. I'm a VIP. <laughs> like the biggest VIP in the world was just the coolest, nicest guy. Doesn't Amazing. BTS uh, stand for bigger than stones? <laughs> no, it's... it's um, <laughs> Better. <laughs> BTS is the biggest band in the world. And we've seen better twice. We've seen him twice now. And we're mad at the, met the guy. I didn't get his phone number. I should probably get his number and be texting him. He probably yeah, tuned in. The BTS guys are going to probably want to know about the Don't Die podcast. Oh, of course. They're going to be course. Yeah. Anyways, that, so only that the was most that. important people in the world want to know about and this. And I had this whole plan of life and death, birth and death. So Dix's memorial was on Saturday at two o'clock, and then the baby was born on due on Tuesday. And Saturday. I saw Elijah and his and his girlfriend. Anyway, he went to the they went yeah. to the memorial, but didn't have the baby. So then I was trapped down at Coachella, and and. It get this. It was a six-hour drive back on Monday morning. Six what? hours to get from Palm Springs. Oh, so for God. you that are going this weekend, 
Don't don't plan on leaving Monday morning. Leave Sunday night, no matter what. Fall asleep behind the wheel, crash, but you'll be safe. No, 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 no. You're better off driving home on Sunday and falling asleep with the wheel and crash off into the sand dune. And then you got to call a tow truck to get your car towed. You'll still be home better than if you left, left Monday. <laughs> well, you so. see, in the future, you'll just be able to program your car and it'll just drive you home. That's the that would be good. Those Teslas, do they yeah. do that yet? Oh yeah, somewhat. So then uh, Elijah calls me yesterday. Says we're headed to the hospital, and then I went over there like uh, I don't know about ten o'clock at night. What bear? Oh my god, you guys, bears, bears, oh, bears well. on our uh, in our front door. Bedroom and the bedroom door. Oh, where's the bears? Two of them? Oh, he's in my car. He's in my car, you guys. What are you doing <laughs> in my car? Did you leave it unlocked? Hey, get out of my car there. Get out. <laughs> get out of my car. Get you out want... of my car. He left your window down? Is he in there? Is he in there? I don't have my glasses on. Man, I hope this doesn't turn into a horror movie. <laughs> oh, God. Bob, just close the door and let the damn thing. No, he's inside what? the car, Mark. Well, Mike, look. Let him do whatever he's going to do in there then until he climbs did you, out. Sid, did you leave food in there? Is there food in there? Um, you know what? Go get your um, fob and make your alarm go off. <laughs> Shut the door. Holy yeah. God, we got bears in my car. Oh, no, yeah. That's a good idea. As you know. That Chuck had. Did you hear the, that, Bob? Is it, huh? Did you hear that? Chuck had a great idea. Make your fob go uh, honk your horn. Take your key oh. fob and honk your horn. No, nah, there's a, I think there's like cotton candy in there from Coachella. So I, yeah, I let him have they'll it. eat it and they'll get but you I didn't leave the window open. They know how to pull the door open. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They scoop they scoop their hands. We have to lock our doors, but they haven't been around for like a month and a half, two yeah. months. Well, no, that's they're smart. back. Yeah. The bears it warmed are back. up. The bears yeah. are back. Did it, did, the bears it, are back in town. Was it hot? You guys ought to make a, a habit of making a, a picnic basket and leaving it out. There. Yeah, yeah, picnic basket. Yeah. That was a little excitement on the Dope Doc great, podcast. Right? Leave yeah, a pie I'm on the windowsill. Yeah, <laughs> leave them some food. What the hey, boo boo. Yeah, come back. No, they all, are all they're the so sad. I mean, think about it. I, I talked to Mark Tyner about it. It's so sad. The bears know how to open car doors to get yeah. the little shitty food you leave in your car. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the highlight. So anyways, Elijah calls and right back to the podcast. And, <laughs> um, you know, professionalism. <laughs> so, professionalism. So yep. Elijah calls, says they're headed to the hospital. And so then I thought, and that he, I don't know, that was in the afternoon or I, I think at two o'clock he said, we're at the hospital. So then I figure, well, I know how this goes. I'm experienced with this. So I'll go by around eight, nine o'clock. So I start texting him like, I'm going to head out over, but I know I can't go in the hospital because even though COVID doesn't exist anymore, they still don't let you go in hospitals. So they can only have three people. They got the doula, um, the, my my daughter-in-law, whatever, however you say it when they're not married. I don't know how to say that. Jean is her name. Her mom. It's your son's Elijah. baby mama. <laughs> no. Oh, <God. laughs> Are we in LA County Jail again? 
Yeah, my uh, son baby mama doesn't have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so so they only allowed three, and then I didn't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, what am I going to do? So I just didn't go. And then he finally said, oh, no, everything's fine. We were sleeping. And I was like, okay. So I went over at 10, stayed to like one, kept thinking it's going to happen. And this is the modern miracles. So I'm in the parking lot of Kaiser Hospital, just sitting in the car, listening to NBA radio, texting, how's it going? How's it going? Is the baby coming? What's happening? This is the modern. Remember on I Love Lucy, Fred and Ricky waited in the lobby and then they had cigars and they saw a baby yep. through a glass thing. <laughs> yep. We don't even do that anymore. We don't even let people see the babies through glass. They have to stay in the cars and text upstairs. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> but then uh, then nothing, nothing was going on. Me and Elijah went and ate about one in the morning. This is my new thing. Do you know, I, like I haven't lived in Hollywood now for what, six, seven years. Do you know that Hollywood closes down at 10 p.m.? Like nothing is open. What? Yeah, it's kind of tr yeah, trip. It's yeah. fucking crazy because of the homeless people. Like Starbucks on, uh, closes on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, the Jamba Juice closes. All the regular places where you go, yep. you know, late at night to hang out and talk to somebody it's are just closed. Not happening anymore. Yeah. How you? How do you know that, Mike? Because I take my girls up there, and we, you know, we'll go to a movie or whatever, and we'll walk down Hollywood Boulevard. But you got to go early because, like, after nine o'clock, everything turns into fucking the witching hour, man. It's that's so sad. The whole city is not the same. So, so. Even Wendy's hamburgers is not open. It's like what? How can I? So Wait a second. Closes. That's, that's why LA was so cool because I'd go there from here and everything was open. And then when things, when legitimate things were closed, there were other things that were open all night. No, nothing's open all night. The only thing we found was Fred sixty two on Vermont, so we went over there, and then. Like, I don't know. Like, I I drove home. I didn't think it was going to happen last night. And then it happened at like six this morning. Very exciting. Very exciting news. Uh, but but the the idea that I love this, this, you know, blood in, blood out, this life and death, this circle that everyone tends to ignore. I have like 80-year-old friends who don't want to act like they're going to die in five years. So I always say like, well, if I'm here, because I'm doing this stuff with some bands and I say... Well, you know, if, you know, and I think you could get to this place, you know, in 10 years and, you know, I probably won't see it, but hopefully you'll get there. Right. <laughs> and people hate when you say shit like that because everybody doesn't want to think about death. Right. Yeah. And yeah. half the people are against procreation. So anywhere you go, you talk about death, life or death, babies being born or people dying or people that, you know, people are going to die. People are uncomfortable. This is what I've concluded. People are just uncomfortable with being human. Yeah. I think we would prefer to be digital. I think, you know, I think that there's this battle for the soul of everyone. Like, I always knew that people die. I grew up around a nursing home. People die. I've known that since I was eight years old. I don't this, think there's 40-year-old people that want to think about that. No, no. My a guy I was working with uh, named Sean, he had this cool exercise where it was like boxes from zero to 80 and you had to fill in how far you were in age. And we had people in their fifties and sixties, a lot of alcoholics recently. And you go, this is how old you are. If you're lucky enough to live a full life 
to 80, this is how much time you've got left. You have like, yeah, you have like 15 more boxes. You got, yeah, you've got like 15. <laughs> and it, it, when you look at how many have already been filled in, it's just ah. like, holy shit. I mean, mine at 55, I was looking at it going, this is absolutely no good. This is 25 years at the very best. Right. And that's that's and, how I think. And then and then then on top of that, it's like, okay, what did I accomplish? I accomplished a lot between these five years and between these five years, but the rest of it has just been earning a living, but hopefully making memories like what you guys did this weekend. Yeah. That's what it's about is exploring and getting out and doing and you know, showing it to the next generation, showing them that there's more to life than just sitting in a house. And more to life than Twitter and a phone, man. Mm -hmm. So as everyone knows, probably by now, there's this big controversy where Frank Ocean, the headliner, came on like an hour and a half late and, and he played a weird set. And I, I couldn't stay because the kids were getting tired. I would have stayed. If I didn't have kids with me, I would have stayed just to see what the fuck happens. Right? Um, you know, Frank Ocean's notoriously kind of mercurial, I think they call it, or he's a little bit, you know, um, moody or he, you know, he's been known not to show up for concerts and stuff like that. So everybody's on edge. He did come out, he did play, but I wasn't there. But then I was getting text messages from people who were there. And then I watched the videos the next morning and I was like, this reminds me of Pill at the Ritz at the Ritz in New York, if you know this legendary punk rock show, Pill was the most kind of mysterious um, band of our generation. Everyone to know what they were doing and nobody knew what they were doing. And was it a band? Was it a company? Was it, mm -hmm. you know, like, is it music? I, I remember on Flowers of Romance, people were saying, this isn't even music. They had no idea of what was going to come in rap music. <laughs> like, <laughs> if public image, public image is Mozart compared to the shit I listened to this weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but Hill played the show, for those of you that are young, like Chuck, me and Mike will refresh your memory. Pill was hadn't played in like three years, and everyone wondered what the fuck they're doing. Public Image Limited. It was the most coolest band of its era, right? And they then there was announced they were going to play the show at the Ritz, was a, which was a small venue for them in New York. It's like a fifteen hundred seat place or something, and um, and then the people the day of shows line up and buy tickets and go inside. And there was just a white screen, like a movie screen oh, on the, the shadow. <laughs> and they played behind it. Yeah, and, the shadow show. People <laughs> were pissed and they started throwing bottles at the screen. Then they tore it. Then people crawled through and were trying to beat them up. Levine told me the whole story of what happened. And he just thought it was fabulous. And Leiden just thought it was the greatest. They were just like, wow, wow, <laughs> yeah. wow. We, this is chaos beyond what our wildest dreams. Yeah. Like all they wanted to do, their idea was have these floodlights behind them and have their image projected onto this white screen while they played. And they were playing good and they had a band, they had whatever his name is, the drummer, and they were playing. It was a real, it was a real concert. They were just doing something the audience had never seen before. And then what I was describing, <laughs> they freaked the fuck out. <laughs> and they did not like it. Right. <laughs> and when Fantastic. I heard all this anger about what Frank Ocean had done, I was like, he's challenging people. He's like saying, what do you need all this big shit for? I'm going to sit in a chair and I'm going to sit with my computer and I'm going to play a concert. And people 
were not into it because <laughs> <laughs> they want fire. You know, I don't know if you ever seen that Kevin Hart uh, stand-up special where he becomes, you know, when he had ascended and become like really the king of comedy. He did this thing like, I want to go on tour and I want fire like a like a like a rock band. And so he kept saying throughout his stand-up, he would say fire, and they would trigger the fire to shoot up like Motley <laughs> Crew, like Motley Crew. <laughs> Let me tell you who had fire at Coachella. The a boogie in the hoodie had fire shooting up in front of them all the time. Black Pink had fire. Bad Bunny had fire. <laughs> like, fire is the thing like if you're gonna just put on a show now just get those fire things fire fire and that's not what frank ocean did and people just didn't know how to react to it it sounds like one person told me that in between songs there was like 80 to 100,000 people there and it was just silent like that's when you know you're an artist isn't it when you can take a bunch of people and and make them just and just mind fuck them, mind yeah. fuck them. It right? sounds it, well, it sounds like he, the area, yeah, because they'd be course, booing if they were pissed. And this shows how young people are. Then they started complaining on Twitter uh, that he didn't play his hit songs. Like, dude, is that what you expect? This guy like just like scrubbed a whole idea he had. Decided just to like do this really interesting, you know, one man show kind of thing very contained in a small space and you couldn't fucking handle it. And you're so dumb. You couldn't track it. That's really what happened. And, you know, but, uh, you know and that's reminded me of pill. Like they were just trying to do something cool. And the audience was like, we don't want this. We want Johnny rotten from the sex pistols and we want him to spit on us. Isn't that most great things are not appreciated at the time though. Most great things, like the, when people do shit, like, like even like when Dylan went electric, people were pissed, you know. But, but it was like, you know, I, I Al Cooper was a friend. Of, he is a friend of mine. I've seen him in twenty years, but he lives in Boston. But he was a keyboard player at, at when Dylan went electric that first time at Forest Hills or whatever. And he said it wasn't like that. Like that. That's exaggerated by media. And I believe this Frank Ocean thing is being exaggerated by the media. You know what I mean? Like when you're reading USA Today to find out about the cutting edge art of artist of his generation, you're going to the wrong news source. <laughs> if you're reading USA Today, <laughs> yeah. well, because it's all this, you know, it's all this internet feed Apple bullshit. But but here's the thing that I'm really sad about. He, apparently, he's so sensitive, or I don't know. I guess he's canceled next weekend. He's not going to play, which oh. to me is. I don't know. At this point, it just seems typical of millennials. Well, how, if are you, I'm, well, how are you going to top taking your laptop out there and sitting in a chair? How are you going to top that? <laughs> you, there's nowhere to go, dude. <laughs> Good point, Mike Martin. He's climbed Everest. Yeah. What do you do next? <laughs> well, he could do the big show he was going to do. Apparently, they had an ice skating rink and he was going to have ice skating and which oh, I don't I'm know. He, Here's what I know. It. This is what shows you something <laughs> about young people. So I think he's like 30, maybe. Um, which, by the way, his orange record is just an amazing record. I was going to say, I, he, I thought he was a real artist. Yeah, he's a real artist. So what's funny is he obviously is too young to have recalled the Rick Wakeman 
uh, Wives of Henry VIII. Because <laughs> that was, remember Rick Wakeman did a tour of Europe. It was like orchestrated on ice. Do you remember this? No. All I know about Rick Wakeman is he was a great keyboard player and he wore capes. Yeah, he wore capes. Well, he did this thing where he's in the center of an ice rink and he played keyboards to his album, uh, uh, The Wives of Henry VIII. And he had skaters skating around him dressed in um, <laughs> rena Renaissance costumes. Some and apparently, thing. <laughs> apparently that concert in 1976 or whatever was the nail in the coffin of rock music. And that's what created punk rock. I think Johnny Rotten was there and said, fuck this. This has gone too far. We need to take our rock and roll back <laughs> but okay rick wakeman, yeah. rick wakeman on ice and apparently frank ocean got the same idea 40 years later but anyways what what a great artist what a sad kind of weird thing but here's the thing just people just ignore the internet just ignore it i don't i don't pay attention to it i don't care what people think i care what i think and what my friends think I did this interesting thing at, at, at a store the other yesterday. So I'm there and this guy is wearing a Black Sabbath t-shirt, which, you know, in my neighborhood doesn't happen all that often. It's did you like say name three songs? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Name but three I songs. Said, so I said, are you going to Desert Trip? Because there's a new mm -hmm. concert going to be at the Coachella site with uh, Black Sabbath and Metallica and Tool and Guns N' Roses and ACDC and I said, are you going? And he said, no, man, I'm, I'm too old for that shit anymore. And I said, um, but it's sit down, like desert trips different. He goes, I know I went to the stones one. And I said, well, you know, it's not like Coachella where you're just up against 14 million little kids. And he said, yeah, but it's a traffic and I just can't take, I'm just too old for that shit. And I said, can I ask you a personal question? And he said, what? And I said, how old are you? And he said, 54. I said, dude, I'm 62. And I went to Coachella all weekend with four children. You're yeah, just but you're a crazy. Pussy. No, you're no, just no, a pussy. no, no, no. There's only, there, there, for me, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And it's just like, you, you know, it's like, like the cruel world's coming up on the 20th, you know, and it's just like, I'm having second thoughts because that, you know, is, is, a really long ass day, especially if you can't get into like a special section where you can get away. Well, you know, a lot, you have thing a about lot special of special sections. I can tell you, Coachella's done something that, and I know it's, I, I don't know if it's on purpose, but it really works. The audience view is better than the VIP view. Yeah. It, it really is. So yeah. when, when, when we watched uh, the gorillas, we went out in the audience. It was so great. And it's more open and you got space between people and like, it's not all cramped. And when the VIP sections are like to the side. And so if you're in there and you're in the back, you can't, you can't really see the full yeah, you're production. You're just watching it on a screen. Yeah. It's way easier just to walk around and the sound is amazing everywhere you go for, you know, the whole oh surroundings God. of a stage. It's Rat just great. Rat Sound did such an amazing job. There was not one single speaker in front of a... I saw pictures. And Well, did you know what Rat Sound... I think... I don't know if Dave Rat... I, I, he was the one that told me about it. So they were having a problem at the, the first Coachella's because the sound would echo, right? So if you were standing way in the back, 
you'd get the stage speakers and then the ones next to you and there'd be an echo. So they they used they used science to time the echo. Well, they do that all the time. That was probably the early problem. Yeah. But I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah, Doesn't that go? They're, they're called what? delay. They're called delays towers, and they put them. But in. don't you have to t- time it exactly right? Yeah, but it's an easy equation. You know, it's by feet. An easy equation for a bunch of high school dropouts? Are you kidding me? No, it's not. I know Mike Mark didn't go to college. I'm assuming Dave Bradman <laughs> <Yeah>. neither. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do it right on the console, and it's not a you know not a huge uh undertaking it's not rocket surgery (laughs) (laughs) mike you missed that one it's not rocket (laughs) surgery that's a combination of rocket science and brain surgery got it okay (laughs) (laughs) so anyways it was a hell of a weekend i go to coachella come home and i'm a grandpa two days later what the hell's going on amazing man i couldn't tell from the picture little boy little girl boy Isaiah Forrest. Isaiah yeah. Forrest. Nice. How's mom? And doing? she's great. She's asleep a couple hours ago. So that you always want that after a hard day's work. Yeah. Hard day and night. Like people forget. And I think I think it's built into women's brains. I know that all brains are the same and we're not supposed to do that. But somehow, <laughs> if you go through that, if you go through that. There's no way you want to go through that again. I just can't imagine. I've been through it three times now, and I and you know, and I was I wasn't there for Elijah's birth, and I always will admit it that I was a asshole, flake, irresponsible, selfish person who wasn't there for the birth of my son. But but um, I've been there for three, and I'm telling you, what a woman goes through through that, there's no way you would ever want to do that again. There's no possible way, right? And yet, a few months later, they just forget. <laughs> hey, it, it's like it's like getting loaded again. We forget. <laughs> yeah. We forget the pain brain, and misery. Your brain and, has a way of forgetting. And you so recall. Euphoric recall. And it's just like even the the pain of yesterday. It's like last week at this time we were on the verge of closing, and I don't even remember being as stressed out. As I was, but like last night, Amy was like, "Tonight's the first night you've talked to me in in weeks," wow. and so it was just is, like, "Yeah, you have. You've been. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?" And and trust yeah. me, you're not the only one. I think about six months ago is when I started noticing. Like, so here's the deal, people: for you that care about the addicts in your lives and the addicts in in uh, America, they're not paying for treatment anymore, and we've got us. We've got the number one public health problem in america it's what causes the homeless problem in los angeles which is the number one problem health you know the one number one municipal problem that miss mrs bass spoke about in the state of the city uh speech last week in the state of los angeles it's the number one problem in la it's the number one problem politic it's a big problem politically is homelessness which is an extension of our mental health problems and our and our addiction problems and they're not paying for treatment anymore. Yeah. Insurance companies, insurance companies are not causing, they're not, they're not paying for treatment for the number one cause of death of millennials. Mm-hmm. 18 I, I, to 45, even 18 to yeah. 45. It's the number it's one cause of death crazy. right now. Crazy. 
that we are at the worst, the height of the worst drug epidemic in our history. And this for-profit healthcare system has decided they're not going to pay for drug treatment anymore. So what are they going to pay for? Here's what I suggest. Housing is cheaper. So, so Anthem and Aetna and all these insurance companies need to start paying for housing the homeless if they're not going to pay for treatment. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but they can put it in your in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, they don't want. Yeah, nobody wants it around here. So you know, and I started noticing it. You know, slowly but surely. But I've been through this movie before. They did this before. So the question is, all the insurance-driven programs, all the ones that are solely dependent on insurance, are going to either have to lay off half of their workforce, which the state won't allow because there's so many state laws about how many staff you have to have, mm -hmm. um, that places are going to go under. And they are going under. And, yeah. and yeah. And it's sad. And you had said there were some troubles at your place where you're working. Have we straightened out yet? Or you know what's no, happening? We, or we, um, you know, Warren made the call. He goes, because we had enough staff, you know, when there's not as much coming in as there should be. And I mean, as you know, if people are doing methamphetamine and fentanyl, we're having a hard time even getting RTC for them, much less detox. Yeah. When, when they're doing only methamphetamine, they're coming in and they want to be right at PHP. And because of the game, what is everybody see in POC? What residential it means treatment? You're not going to get. You're not. It's outpatient. It's inpatient versus outpatient. And, right. And but even listen, they pay so little for outpatient. You're not going to be able to even lease a house and pay staff to treat them. That's, no, that's. I mean, thing, this is it? the end. This is the end of treatment as we know it. Yeah, it's a, it's a different thing, you know. And so Saturday. You know, he was just like, we, we can't do this anymore. And I was still up north. He said, we, we need to transfer everybody out and just close the doors for a little while. Regroup. Regroup. Yeah. So and here's what so I think. And I'm, I'm in that state too. So as the money was rolling in through all those years from Parity Act up until the P Gold Rush and all this, um, the state kept insisting on more and more and more, right? Right. With the with the insistence of the insurance industry, so I fought against it because they made us have sober livings like they were RTCs, right? You had to have twenty four hour mm -hmm. care. You had to have this. You had to have that. And so all of us providers were just trying to do what what you could to stay in business, which ran payroll up and ran cost up, and and we're providing sober living without patients. And it's costing us what it costs to do residential treatment. Right. And and, <laughs> and and so now and now they don't pay much for outpatient. They pay half of what they used to pay. Right? Well, yeah. So, if you're lucky, a good insurance policy that we were getting was like a 30%. You know, there are some Aetnas that would do 60. But a lot of ours that we were getting, the MHNs, the health nets were like, Eight to twelve percent, sometimes eighteen yeah, percent no, of what you bill. So no, when I people know. go, so, no, people at home, people at home don't understand. They're just not paying. The insurance companies aren't paying the rehabs to help the people get off the streets, turn their lives around. That's as right. simple as you can put it. In they nutshell, are yeah. legally responsible to pay. 
but somehow nobody's holding them accountable. This is going to be to their detriment, but they don't care because it's going to take two, three, four years for the public to catch up. You know, that, that, that now there's no place for people to go. I get on average six calls a day. Nobody takes my insurance. And I said, yeah, insurance is worthless at this point. Almost all of them. Why are the pharmaceutical companies not being held responsible for any of this cost? Like, you know, just as well, maybe uh, in some of the states, tobacco, won, tobacco companies were held responsible for. Listen, cancer. we've got some uh, some soul searching to do as a treatment industry, too, because I don't think our treatment works very well anymore either. So we got to figure out. But as long as there's there's going to be this chaos, nothing's going to change. I believe people need to live, uh, you know, in 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 communal settings like sober livings for long periods of time for like a year and that needs to be affordable which is impossible to do in southern california so there's not going to be able to be treatment centers in southern california that will be effective to help this generation of addicts and we have now got the whole country to believe you have to go to florida or california to get sober Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, we, maybe <laughs> we're we're responsible for some of this. Mm -hmm. But the state has got to stop mandating all this stuff and all these lawsuits and all this shit that happens. Because nobody in their right mind right now, today, my grandson's birthday, April 19th, nobody today is going to start a rehab. No one. There's got to be a trend to start rehabs in completely uninhabitable places like that's well, tops. Well, you like know, places yeah. where you can't get any communication. Just like it's you know, not, it's not, it's popular. not really. It, well, it's about the cost of housing, but it's also about the 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 laws of that state. There are so many laws in California. You you know, you call them to get clarity on laws. They have contradictory laws of what you can do, and you call the state uh to clarify something that you're confused about because one law says you can't do this and another law says you must do this and you try to call the state <laughs> yeah. swear to god i'm not kidding people at home there are laws that say you can't do this like you can't raise your right hand up above your head and then there's another law that says unless you raise your right hand above your law uh, above your head we're not going to pay you like uh, it's just like what <laughs> what it, and so it, and so you not, call the state funny, wait wait true. wait you call the state and ask them for clarification and they don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> and you have to tell them subsection uh 538a and you b and c you have to tell them to look where the law is and say look and then look at back at 342 dot 28 c look at those two rules that we have to abide by they contradict each other and the girl said i did this like three years ago the girl said i don't know what to tell you it's the same, <laughs> it's the same as when you ask for milk at the starbucks the state of california but what you got to understand, Mike, is we can house somebody, we can feed them, we can treat them, we can pay staff to, to deal with them, we can do all this stuff. And if, and if somehow the insurance company objects to something we did, like raised our right hand above our head, uh, they, can, they say, we're not going to pay that. We're not going to mm -hmm. pay that. And depending on the insurance God. company, some want you to do it and some want you not to do it. 
And if you have it set to do it one way, you're missing out. I, I don't, it is such a headache. It's just like, it's one of those things where it's like. It's got to get back to the basics, but it's got to get back to the basics of, of either nonprofits, which is what Cry Help and Impact are. People have to start nonprofit, but they also need to come up with a better model. Like all this fucking, how, how are you feeling today? That shit, like millennials and Gen Zers have been asked that every day since they were born. Who cares yeah. how they feel? You know, I'm Cooper, so sick of Cooper people's worked, feelings. <laughs> I'm so sick of people's really feelings. <laughs> I know you are. It's just like, what well, I have a lot of feelings. I'm having some big feelings today, Chuck. I just became a grandpa and somebody called me a grandpa and it, it kind of threw me back like, grandpa, whoa, that's a little rough, isn't it? So, <laughs> are you sure you want to go see that heavy metal music, Grandpa? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, are you the best sure? Part was, so Sydney was all excited staying up, and then it was just too late, and it didn't. The baby wasn't born last night, so she goes to sleep. And then when we woke her up this morning, uh, I said, "Auntie Sydney, wake up! Auntie Sydney, wake up!" Oh, and she wow. got all excited, and she got out of bed, and Chrissy was just coming down the hall, and I. And I said, you're an aunt, you know, the baby was born this morning and she's, she got up out of bed and she looked at Christy and said, if I'm an aunt, you're a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that didn't go, that didn't go over too well. You know, there's a step grandma situation. And Idris is an uncle. Yeah, I just is an uncle. I told him that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Elvis is Elvis is ready for unclehood, but the other two, I don't know. It's a little bit foreign to them. But this is the modern world. So yep. then I'm thinking, because the baby is born, Sid doesn't have to go to school. I don't know. I just didn't feel like driving her there. And uh and and she goes, No, today is a field trip. And I looked at Chrissy uh, like, what? And she goes, that. oh, my fucking God, it's a field trip. The field trip, Chuck, is going to our family's restaurant. for. They're going to have chips and salsa after they go to the post office and the museum in downtown Claremont. Uh, this hmm. is at 7.55, and the field trip starts at 8.45. And I still haven't had coffee or pooped or anything. Uh, and I'm in charge uh, of the restaurant thing. <laughs> this is not, this is not, this is a bad time frame. And I know what millennials would have done right then, Chuck. They would have called in and said, I stayed up so late and I have a tummy ache and I don't really know if tired. I can do it. And people on the internet are saying mean things about me and I don't know that I can do it. But you know what I did? Well, either that or they I, would have called their speed dealer. I I fucking powered down two double shots and that's what, soda that's to make to make sure to blow it out. <laughs> and oh. I went to the bathroom. I grabbed Idris. Chrissy took Cindy to school. I grabbed Idris. I went down to the restaurant. We helped. They were already setting it up. My father-in-law and his partner and whatever. So and then I oversaw it. And that's the pictures you guys saw at Sydney's class at, at Dan and Zara's restaurant. Oh, nice. Um, you made it. You made it. Yeah, we, made it. we made it. And then I went into work and had a great meeting with a great writer, talented writer. Um, and, you know, Mike, we're doing a story based in 1983 Hollywood. Me and Anthony okay. are producing this thing. And it's got like, El Duce and Top Jimmy and David Lee Roth and Pokna and all these characters in it. It's going to be fun. Um, Where's my character? I, 
Oh, you're in there, but you're in my band. So you're just going to, you know, everyone in my band just, <laughs> it's, you know, the standard, everyone in my band just hates me and thinks I'm the worst human being on earth. And you Bob's play a big star like, and nobody yeah, else gets me. Yeah, everybody hates him and all that. <laughs> all, the, all the worker bees get stepped on. And the guy Patrick that works with us is like, do people really hate you? And I was like, I don't know. They say they did. I didn't feel a lot of hatred towards me, but apparently there was. No. When you're drunk, Chuck, you don't really know how people feel about you, do you? Oh, man. God is it's kind all to, been forgiven. God is kind to drunks. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't remember the, we don't remember the dumbest shit we do. We don't remember. We don't get hurt in accidents. We <laughs> Drunks get, get away yeah. with everything. I mean, if you can hold, if you can hold it that long, if you can hold a grudge that long, I don't, I don't know about. Then that. you're the problem. If you <laughs> hold you're the grudge the problem, that long, exactly, that's on man. you. That has to be. That was <laughs> let go a long time ago, Bob. But you didn't hate me back in the day. I didn't. I was too <laughs> drunk. I thought you were the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's so so weird. But it was an interesting two hours with this writer, kind of going over the characters, and um. It was just like, I don't know. It's just like everybody was ambitious, but they weren't gross about it. I don't know. It's just a great era. I talked about everybody, like people I've forgotten about. Once you talk about that era, just like one person leads the other and leads the other. I remember Bill Bentley, Mike, the writer guy? Yeah. He was. He told me and Anthony Flea, like, you got to come and see this friend of mine from Texas. He's the greatest guitar player. And... uh and I don't think Anthony Flea went, but I was there and then Bill was there and he goes, I can't believe he came. Uh, so thank you so much. Like, cause he was hyping his friend's band playing. Yeah. Chuck, it was Stevie Ray Vaughan. He played at the <laughs> Cathay de Grand. He played at the Cathay de Grand for like a hundred people. And I was there yeah. and I nice. was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he kind of sounded like Hendrix, but not really. And he wasn't like Jeff Beck. It was like, it was like a kind of guitar playing, soloing that you hadn't heard. Or maybe I was just so deep and saturated in punk rock, I had forgot what guitar soloing was like. But man, that guy was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Mm. And that was just one night at the Cafe de Grand. One night, uh, or one day, Michael Brennan that owned the Cafe said, uh, Bob, you have a car, right? And I was like, yeah, kind of. Doesn't have any brakes. And he goes, can you go out to the airport and pick up so-and-so? And I was like, the, yeah. <laughs> the Slim, uh, uh, Memphis Slim, the, the real guy? And he goes, yeah, yeah. So Memphis Slim, this legendary R&B, jazz, you know, New Orleans, all kinds of piano player, was going to play the Cathay de Grand. I went to the airport and picked him up. And he had bass player and drummer. I loaded their equipment in. They had no um, idea that you had no brakes. No, yeah, you just pump them. It wasn't they didn't have any brakes. You just got to... You know what I mean? You got to yeah. put brake fluid in. You might have to put brake fluid in at LAX. And we're going to glide down La Cienega. And then you just start, you know, you get used to it. You know, you can see if you're going to make the green light, you don't have to worry. But if it's if the red crossing light is stopped and it's going to turn red, you got to start pumping your brakes. That's all. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> simple. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid somebody so, jumps in front so, of you. 
so I swear to God, Memphis Slim played there. Earl King played there. A lot of great blues people played at the Cal Theta Grand. Plus the Cramps, the first Black Flag show with Henry Rollins, uh, the Joneses, the Gun Club with Jeffrey Lee and and um, Patricia Bag. I remember. Remember that that was the first time I saw Patricia Bag, and I was like, "Wow, that that looks like a person to be reckoned with right there." Patricia Bag, stunning. She was just stunning. The bass player, because Rob had quit, or yeah, Rob had quit and was in Filoni Sponsor, and then they got Patricia Bag, Pat yeah. Bag, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was Jeffrey, Patricia, Terry, and who played guitar, Mike? Kid did. Kid Congo. Kid. They were amazing. Hmm. Dude, I saw them play for like 40 people. One of the most amazing bands in the history of LA. I saw Dream Syndicate, The Bangs. Like, it was just amazing time in music. Amazing. Yeah. And so we're, we're trying to get make a TV show out of it, try to figure it out. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. How fun. Uh, but. A, te know. a television show, a series, a. A television series. Yeah. Oh, so. Do oh. you know you what, it, what my idea is? Like, I watched Euphoria, right? And it's so depressing and everybody's so fucking miserable on that show. It's just so miserable. And I just kept thinking, this is not like what my childhood taking drugs was like. That's where this whole started. <laughs> like, have you watched Euphoria, the TV show with all the no. kids having sex and doing drugs? Oh, I'm surprised you mm -hmm. haven't. Well, maybe sex and drugs are my thing. Not your thing, Chuck. That's well, okay. Ki kids having sex really isn't on my radar. <laughs> not kids, like 20-year-old people. <laughs> I understand. Come on, Bob. You're into uh, pooping too. Right. I like pooping. I and but so I watch his show, and just from the very start, it's just like it's so depressing, and they hate each they hate each other, and they're mean to the trans kid, and they're the mom is trying to control the daughter, and she's telling her to fuck off. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like watching my life. Like, I don't want to watch this. What what is that on? It's on HBO. I it's uh, called euphoria that that's why i don't have the but they're HBO. all drug addicts they're all uh, they're all like one variation you guys watch addict. succession at all yes oh my oh god oh my god it's insane <laughs> you know how dumb i am I'm, i watched like four episodes i didn't know it was about the the murdochs i didn't oh, know yeah. well loosely based on the murdochs yeah but i it didn't catch on like part of my brain that's you know once somebody um taught me how to shoot crack i think it did something a, a little part of my brain not <laughs> not you know because you were told you can't shoot crack and then somebody yeah. told me yeah you put lemon juice in it and it dissolves yeah. away and you can shoot it so then yeah. I, I just think there's just one little part of my brain that's a little slow a lot of my my, <laughs> my language skills are good my kind of putting two plus two equals four is good but they're just like Watching something and connecting the dots, I I have problems in that thinking area. So I think that crack, shooting crack caused that. You that's think that's my, <laughs> my theory. You thought lemon like juice it. was good for you. Lemon juice? How can that be bad for you? It's a natural that's thing. That's what I'm saying. How can it be bad for you? How can it be bad for you? Put it in there. Yeah. Got to be good. Got to yeah. counteract the badness. How could it possibly it be bad to put that straight in your if, vein? It's you know, it stings if you miss, but it stings anyway. Well, you like, used to have to, you know that stuff uh, that we used to get down on the west side. Where you used to have to put that powder, that Persian powder. You, you'd have to get, you'd have to put lemon juice in it. Yeah, you put it in crack too. I don't know. Another thing, 
uh, you know, like the, great Scott Weiland, the great Scott Weiland, rest in peace. You know, I loved him like a little brother. I really did. He was such a misunderstood. He was such a sweet kind of dumb guy. Just so sweet. So anyways, I'm adhering to the rules of Suboxone, right, Chuck? And yeah. then I'm getting high one night with Scott. And he goes, do you have any Suboxone and, or whatever it was called? What do we call it? Bupernex. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I've got some. And I was looking around my house and I go, and we'd been doing speedballs for like eight hours. And I was like, why do you want that? Bupernex. And he's like, cause you can, you can mix the Coke in with it. And I was like, mm. cause we didn't have any, we didn't have any heroin left. And I was like, no, I don't think he can. I think he dies, Scott. And he goes, no, you don't. <laughs> he, said, he just said it so matter of fact. No, you don't. <laughs> but weren't you told, Mike, do you remember being told like if you shot it in your vein, you would die or something? Um, The Bupernex? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you You're always muscle intermuscular. It. No, yeah. I shot it. It was fine. There was yeah, nothing well, wrong I mean, with shooting. It would have to be. You know, <laughs> I, I'm hoping. I, I mean, I'm assuming. You. No, well, we had a bunch of coke left, and we just shot buprenorphine coke speedballs, and it, it was fine. Wow, interesting. But buprenex doesn't get you high. It would just take the the. No, high but away. it makes you not tweaked out. That's the whole goal. At at that point, you know, we're not. We just don't want to be looking out the window. That's all. We don't want to be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and buprenorphine will do that. It'll keep you like, hey, how are you doing today, Scott? I'm good. Well, how are you, Bob? I'm doing I'm feeling pretty it's good. It's weird. You know, the, gonna... con the concept of drugs and alcohol and stuff is always the same. Like when I was real young, 13 and stuff, I would take acid, but I would have to drink a lot of alcohol to counteract the LSD. Right? Right. Same thing. You heard about this pink cocaine, right? Did we talk about that? What? The pink cocaine is this new synthetic cocaine that's mixed with hallucinogens. Oh, boy. So you're actually, you're tweaking and hallucinating. Hey, all right. Just, just I'm not making a cocaine a that's 500 times more powerful than the other cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I'd like it, to see. <laughs> by mixing it with MDMA. Oh, so it's cocaine, cocaine and MDMA. Or or some sort of hallucinogen or does whatever. it does it does it test it, as cocaine? It, no, no. It so it's a research as, chemical of sorts, right? It's synthetic. It's called pink cocaine. It's very popular in Florida. Anything popular in Florida is going to come to California, as yep. we know. Uh, Donald Trump and everything else. <laughs> so. Did you hear this asshole guy is going to put a prison next to Disney World? Did you hear that? No. Like, what is wrong with these juvenile delinquents that are in politics? What a fucking baby. Wait, are you talking about DeSantis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to put a prison, like a maximum security prison, next to Disney World. So you can see it from, from the top of the roller coaster? You <laughs> so can look you over can worry if they escape and you know, <laughs> kidnap your children. Oh my God! What an asshole! Uh, if if you can prove you you had a visit that day, you get <laughs> free 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 hot dog or something. Oh my God! What is the world coming to? But I'm telling yeah. you, I see some weird shit ahead. I see a lot of rehabs closing. 
Yeah. And I see a lot more addicts dying and I see a lot more addicts needing treatment and no treatment available. And well, I don't I know what those ingredients something has, to, something has to be something has to give like the pharmaceutical companies need to pay man they need to pay part of this recovery shit just like the tobacco companies had to pay for cancer and and our health care you know right but i mean they can't pay like what the insurance industry is a trillions of dollars it, they, uh, no we need to i know not insurance I'm, I'm i said a, pharmaceutical company i know pharmaceutical but i think you know if we believe that addiction is a disease, which I go back and forth, it's not, it's not a disease like cancer, for sure. It's more deadly. It's more <laughs> deadly than cancer. Yeah, yeah. So, but it does, it, but here's the truth. It does involve choices and behavior of the individual. At so, first, then, it be, then we're dealing with a brain that has been chemically altered. So we need I to know, get the brain they, back on track. So yeah, at but, first it is choice, then it's not. Mm, but if somebody comes to a rehab center and they're sober for 90 days and they choose to go back, that is choosing again. And 100%. you're going to say it's not. Well, oh, no, I thought you'd say the uh, no, standard. No. I thought you'd say the standard industry bullshit. Because a lot of people for the last 15 years have had the opportunity to be sober and they've chosen to go back to it. Why? I believe our society is poisoned by the internet. That everything is negative and everything is horrible and everything is trauma and everything is hatred and everything is division. And I believe the machines that we insist on carrying around with us fuel that. And we need to really think about phones in our lives. We really need to. So I've been doing this experiment. Say something, just put your phone around you and just say something randomly over a 20 minute period of time. Today, I said, Kanye West, Kanye West. I wonder what Kanye West is doing. Gosh, I remember that, that college dropout record by Kanye West. I just kept saying Kanye West around my phone. I swear to God, I got to push for Kanye West. Yep. Yes, you did. I swear to God. I, I, I believe yep. it. Oh, yeah. And, because, and we were talking about Tom, which is Mike's friend, because uh, it looks like Blink-182 might play Coachella, right? And... And everybody says this Tom guy is a wacky uh, uh, UFO. And I, I had to say, like, I believe in UFOs. I, why, why wouldn't I? I don't, I don't know. What, what is so weird? Why yeah, I can't so disprove angry? it. Yeah. <laughs> why are people so angry that he believes in UFOs? Why does that define this Tom guy? I don't know his last name, but, you Come know, on. didn't he get kicked out of the band because he believed in UFOs? I think he got I think he got really strange for a minute. There were some moments that he had where he was so like what? He, why can't he, he got out be, there. Hold on, hold on. Why can't people be out there? Why can't they be strange? Why can't they have their own opinions of things? Well, they why? can if they show up to rehearsal or when they when they when they show up to recording sessions and when they show up to rehearsals they can. But when they when by getting weird, that's what I had understood about it at the time because my kids were younger and that's the music they were listening to when that whole thing fell apart you know and he wanted to do his own thing he did boxcar racer he did uh what else did he do he did a couple other yeah, bands where he bob what you're talking about is like he you know when they try and push the idea onto somebody else too and that's all they think about and they become obsessed with it that's when it becomes kind of a problem people don't want to hear about it. okay i've got some very close friends 
who have been on this show. One is the fact checker of this show. The other one has been on the show twice. He kind of talks in a very strange voice, like, you know, they both <laughs> believe every time in you the talk crazy... to them, they don't talk about it. You know, the yeah, they. But if you talk about you know uh, trails, whatever it is, yeah. and fluoride Chem in the trails, toothpaste, yeah. chemtrails, yeah. fluoride. But I love them, and I that's part of that's part of what's so charming and wonderful about them. Why does people have to all think the same, be the same, behave the same, have the same values? Why? Why are we striving for everybody to be the same? I think I, you know, I. Me and John Arnoldy. Remember John Arnoldy, Mike Mart, yes. the writer guy, nerdy guy. Yeah. Me and John Arnoldy were out in Twenty Nine Palms thirty years ago, and we had an experience. This thing hovered over us, off and on for hours. And it had—I remember it had fl- five lights, and they would go around, blinking, blah 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 blah, bl- blinking, and they would go away over the hill really fast, and they would come back. And I said. You know, we were doing coke. I, you know, I got to admit that. But doesn't mean it wasn't there. But doesn't mean there wasn't a spaceship there. And I said, John, I think they're going to take us away. And he goes, I hope so. Wouldn't that be great? And I got to tell you, I've seen UFOs. I'm so. What is so? So how does a guy get kicked out of his band for believing something that we both Uh, believe in? Intolerable. Who knows? I mean, it's his band. He's got to work with the guys. If if it if it becomes like a problem, then you're like, I don't want to work with this guy. Uh, I like when I feel the same way. Yeah, but I feel the same way when people get overly pushy about their religion or overly pushy about their politics or overly pushy about. And it's just like there has to be more to life than that. And I don't know. I wasn't there. But maybe that. Maybe the guy just wasn't delivering. Wait a minute. Don't aren't we supposed to be tolerating things? So I have some really religious people. Here's the thing. I'm not religious. I think I've explained it pretty thoroughly. And right. uh, And and but I have friends that pray before they eat, and I'm respectful of it, like whatever. And I I join in in the Lord's Prayer when they say it. If we join hands or whatever, I think it's goofy and stupid and you know old fashioned. But you whatever, somebody, Satan at the end. Some, yeah. Somebody chose to like do the Our Father or whatever instead of the Serenity Prayer. It's fine. Why is why is it that it's not? We're not trying to tolerate each other. Why? What? What happened to tolerance? What happened to two words, Chuck? Tolerance and forgiveness. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what kind of a question you're trying to get, or what kind of I, answer yeah. you're trying to get. <laughs> I don't know it's, you know, uh, uh, but do, what try, happened? everybody tries to get along. I mean, most people try to get along. I think media probably makes a big deal out about it. Just like you were talking about media is overblows shit. Right. But if you, for friends, for people that I hang out with, if I don't, if, if I can't, if I can't accept them the way they are, whether I agree with them or not, like perfect example, I'm not a hardcore atheist. I'm not an atheist. I have doubts about things, but I, it doesn't bother me when Bob talks because that's part of who Bob is. And I accept that. And I appreciate that about him, that we have a difference of opinion about things, yet we're still friends. Now I know that. And I try to be respectful, but here's the thing that, that um, I didn't know you guys had a beef. <laughs> no, it's not a beef, but I mean, it's not you a know, beef. I have it with I have a lot with a lot of people because I think a lot of people who are atheists or just don't want to admit it because most people have some weird spiritual faith thing they believe in, right? And what I what I but what I think is if there is a God, I'm pretty sure it is not in servitude to me. 
And the three religions of the United States, maybe, you know, I'm just talking about Judaism, Christianity, and and Buddhist, uh, and Muslims. They all believe that God is in servitude to them, that you pray to God and it gives you what you want. God's always taking care of you and all this shit. I just am absolutely positive that if there is a God, that's not how the system works. I agree. I am in servitude to the universe. I'm in servitude to my fellow man. If you read Sermon on the Mount, the thing Jesus talked about, all he talked about was service mm-hmm. to others, not to self. Martin Luther King chose to focus on the turning of the other cheek. Gandhi, like I'm positive the way that 90% of the people I know have a spiritual belief that God is the thing that provides them everything are wrong. I really, and, and so when you're going through life, when people are thinking that there's this supernatural power that's rewarding them and excluding others, it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? It's just weird. And it started, it started very early on. I was like, well, why should God worry about me? I was born upper middle-class white kid, 1961 in America. I don't need any God to worry about me. If I fuck this up, this is on. I remember thinking when I'm like 10 at, at Catholic school, if I fuck this up, which I did, Chuck, <laughs> I had every opportunity. If I fuck this up, that shit's on me. I knew that at a very early age. And somehow the other people didn't. They fuck up their lives and somehow it's their fault. And now they get right with God. And now God's going to look out for them and make sure they have a good job and a nice place to live and all this. It's just so crazy. You know, this guy, this old guy that used to come to my home group who died, he Mm -hmm. he would say the funniest shit because of the way he was raised and because of what he was taught as a child, you know, the indoctrination of the highly religious. He said he didn't pray for a long time because he didn't want God to know where he was. And (laughs) (laughs) that if he didn't pray... He could stay under the radar. (laughs) Well, there's a great book. If you want to know my spiritual beliefs, the only spiritual book I've ever read that I wholly agree with is a thing called Why Does Good Things Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People by Rabbi Kushner. It's one of the greatest books ever written, in my opinion, especially in the AA kind of world. So what he says is, and he does it based on scripture and, and the old test of the Torah and whatever. He says constantly like around him you know children are born with aids and suffer and all this suffering and all these random events like planes you know blow up in the sky because uh, you know a uh, uh, spark of uh, spark the gas tank and all these horrible things happen and it's happening to good you know people to people of faith and how, how do you explain that and um and he said you know, what are we taught about God in all the religions? That God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and that God is love, right? I mean, that's what Christianity, Islam, and, and, and Judaism teach. God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and God is love. And when you look at the world, one of those things can't be true. <laughs> if you're a logical person, one of those things, and he says it in the greatest way, he goes, and you can choose which one. So if, if so, think about it. All powerful, all knowing, and love. And children are starving to death while I'm talking. Yeah. Right? 
So, so one of those can go and explain a child starving to death. Well, God is not love. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God is, God is not love. God is all knowing, all powerful. Doesn't give a fuck. Does anybody want a God like that? No. God is all, God is love and all powerful, but he's all knowing. Does anybody really want a God that's doesn't know what's going on? Like, really? So you're all power. What would be the point of being all powerful if you didn't know what was going on? So, so, and you can then obviously take out all power. And he says, there you go. Yeah. I want a God that's all knowing and loving, but not all powerful. Yes. There we go. That's what we got. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a God that is love and all knowing, but not all powerful. And so stop praying to him. He can't help you. <laughs> there, there it is. It there solves it is. my problem of all these idiots praying for Cadillacs. He can't uh, help you. He's not all powerful. <laughs> but, but, and he had a biblical explanation for it. So in the Garden of Eden, in the betrayal, and, and they, they seize the knowledge of good and evil. God gives over the power, some of his power to man. Uh, man that's now the free has will. the knowledge yeah. of good and evil and free will. Yeah. So uh, it, God is not all powerful, even if you look at it in the most clinical way of what happened in Genesis. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the way I live. I try to live in love and I try to be as smart as I can and figure shit out and try to help people. But I don't have much power. I can only kind of look after people as best I can, try to love people, try to give them the insight that I've learned or help or whatever. But I'm not powerful enough to make them get it or make my kids turn out the way I want them to, or make my wife love me or the way I want to be loved. That you don't, you're limited in your power. And what that is, and what Rabbi Kushner says, true humility. Yeah. Hmm. True humility is knowing that God is not all powerful and there to answer every problem you have. And so that all of you people you, that are mad at Frank Ocean, you should be, <laughs> you should be forgiving. Yeah. And, <laughs> and loving. And, you, and, you and should here's try the and understand. Okay. Also. Mike, you were there, I think. So Beck Hansen, Beck, uh, it was Beck his real name. So he was managed by a friend of ours named Jack Zinder, who tragically died in a horrible car accident on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, um, and, Jack was begging me because this is Viper Room and it's prime. Like, let Beck play there because he managed Beck or he was friends with Beck. And I was like, well, let me talk to them. I'll get it. Okay. And this is before Beck was back. He was like, you know, he, he like was, he rapped and he had a weed blower and he played folk music. <laughs> and so I finally got it that Beck could play the Viper Room. And this is in the prime of the Viper Room. Like, this is like, you know, <laughs> pre. Pre, pre river death viper room and uh and he played and people booed and hated it yeah. and so sal who owned the club with johnny comes up to me and goes what the fuck is this and i was like dude this kid is a genius and he's like he's no fucking genius he's telling me to get off my stage <laughs> <laughs> I was like, i'm telling you this i know the weed blower 
Because he would spray the audience. He'd, he'd crank one of those weed blowers up and play well, it on also, stage. Also, remember when he played at the Sugar Shack, he brought a bag full of leaves and he dumped them out and started <laughs> squirting them all over the place. It was great. I tried mm-hmm. to he explain was, that to my daughters and they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, yeah, you could never explain it to a Coachella audience. But so Beck, Beck's playing and he said, Sal's yelling at me, get him off. You're never going to book anything here. What are you fucking doing? People are walking out. And, uh, and so then he went up physically and closed the curtain on Beck while he was playing. (laughs) Now I was standing right there and then I had to apologize to Jack and like, fuck these Hollywood people. They don't know anything. You're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. And so then Beck was bumming. Jack was bumming. There was only about, and I'm telling you, he played at like 10 o'clock at the Viper Room on a weekday night. There was only about a hundred people there. Then he becomes loser back like three years later. Then he becomes the biggest deal in the world. Then he makes Odelay and becomes an icon and legendary and changes the way that we hear music. And now all of a sudden, through the years, I've spoken to about a thousand people that were at that concert and they agreed <laughs> with me and they never should have closed that curtain. Oh, and yeah. Beck is the greatest. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And I guarantee you, 10, 10 years from now, people are going to go, that Frank Ocean thing at Coachella, man, I was there. I was right in the front. It was fucking the greatest thing ever, mm-hmm. dude. What a great way to end. God, Beck, and Frank Ocean. <laughs> and like, Same shit. You know, I'm <laughs> telling you you know true artistry is not always pretty <laughs> sometimes it sometimes it involves a weed blower and sometimes it involves a laptop you know in a chair right you know what i mean and 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 all the time you got to do it yourself but this is an era where everybody has dancers like everyone like i think blink 182 will probably have dancers right you gotta have dancers if you're gonna have a concert Chuck, these days you gotta have dancers. Yeah. That's maybe that's why nobody likes rock music anymore. Maybe rock bands need to get dancers, because literally rappers have dancers, pop people have dancers, Blackpink's got dancers, Bad Bunny's got dancers, all the biggest artists in the world, Justin Bieber's got dancers, everybody's got dancers. We need the Chili Peppers to get dancers, Pearl Jam to get dancers. You know, Jack White needs dancers. This and this will employ more dancers. Jane's addiction. I think I'm going to take some dancing lessons. <laughs> All right. Good night. Fuck good night. To quote the great, to quote the great Ice Cube, who were driving to the desert, and Ice Cube's playing the uh, 21 Casino, and I'm like, I got to go to that. I always say that. And to quote, to quote the great Ice Cube, when they ask him on his first solo album, America's Most Wanted, they, they're about to execute him on the record. And uh, he, they say, do you have any last words? And he goes, yeah, I got some last words. I got some words for you. Fuck all y'all. There right? you go. That's, that should be our new <laughs> sign off. It's just start with don't die, stop dying, Chuck, and end with fuck all fuck y'all. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Good like night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. Fuck all y'all. Drop Mike. Ingest. Ingest. Love you. Good night. Mike always has to. How'd I get out of this? We got all fucked up because of the bears. Where the hell is it? Later. Bye-bye. Bye.